0: Uh, I was meditating upon it. I said, well, let's just change it up. I I want to, you you know, so I sent that message and Pastor Nathan graciously just changed the order of service. So we're going to receive the offering and we're going to do some prayer a little bit later on. But right now we're just ready to go. Shout yes if you're ready. Okay. I'm going to do part two of a message I began maybe a month, month and a half ago now before the christmas season really got into full swing i call this stay the course for your destiny so i'm going to read from first timothy chapter 1 verse 18. paul says timothy i give you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that you may fight the battle well holding on to faith and a good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Now to suffer shipwreck is an expression that comes in Scripture. It means you kind of have a burnout. You, have a, you get so discouraged, you quit, you give up, you retreat. And you do the very opposite thing of what uh, really is God's best for you. So some people, maybe you've experienced that in your life. You said, I, 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 I had a wipeout. Uh, Well, in the Bible, they call that shipwreck. And it says here three things that Paul is reminding Timothy of. I'm just going to share them very quickly. He says, uh, uh, keep in mind the prophecies that were spoken about you. Now, prophecy, the Bible says prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So when we talk about prophecies spoken over you, I want to remind you that it it is the testimony of Jesus Christ about you. Who God says you are. We were singing that this morning. Uh, God says that in Jesus, his testimony is that there is nothing that separates you from the love of God. There is no separation. You are included. You are the blessed of the Lord. Christ lives in you. I in him, he in me. That's why we're singing, I in you and you in me. Uh, That's the truth. That's the testimony of Jesus for you. And so, uh, you know, uh, just uh, some people think when the sooner the word says prophecy, they think it's some word, you know. And sometimes I think we live in a day when there's a hyperinflation in prophecies. You know hyperinflation, it becomes worthless. It's like money. If it's hyperinflation, money becomes worthless. A lot of people receive a prophecy and they can't even remember what it was 20 minutes later. Let me tell you, if you receive a real word from God, you'll remember it more than 20 minutes. Are you with me? So, so there's a lot of blah, 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 blah. But uh, let's uh, I thank God for the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ and the testimony in Jesus through you. Then the second thing it says here, hold on to faith. Uh, you see, you have received faith as a gift. So don't set it aside. Don't push faith into the background. Keep exercising faith. Just because your faith was active in one area, maybe you needed to receive something from the Lord and you say, God gave me faith. Well, keep holding on to faith. Then it says here, hold on to good conscience. What does that mean to hold on to a good conscience? That means hold on to a conscience that is not focused on sin or regret or shame. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, there's a story or or a teaching about a bad conscience. The bad conscience is the weak Christian who is all caught up in a sin consciousness. Worrying about, is this right? Can I eat this? Can I do this? Can I do that? That's called a weak conscience. So hold on, not to a weak conscience, but hold on to a good conscience. That is a conscience where you are conscious. You have a consciousness of what Jesus Christ has done for you, instead of a sin consciousness, you have a righteousness consciousness, and so 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 this is some nice points for us to consider. Now, it, when I gave this teaching, I went to the Book of Acts, chapter twenty-seven, and I realized as I was teaching from there that of all the chapters in the Bible, all the stories in the Bible, we pay very little attention to Acts chapter twenty-seven. I mean, it's 44 verses telling one story. I've had more sermons about the woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment. That's only eight verses. This is 44 verses. So it ought to have something, something for us. And in Acts 27, what is happening there is that the Apostle Paul has a destination. He has a destiny. How many know there's a destiny for your life? There's somewhere you're supposed to be, right? In this case, literally, he was supposed to be in Rome. And so he got on into the ship, and he was heading to Rome. And when the journey started, all hell broke loose. There was all kinds of, you know, struggles. He had headwinds. He was fighting for survival in the first seven, eight verses of the chapter. And then it just goes from bad to worse. So I'm going to jump into here in verse, uh, I think it's verse 9. This is already after much struggle. And it says, much time had been lost. Maybe you feel like that in your life. Oh, I wasted a lot of time. Much time had been lost. And sailing had become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. So it was kind of towards winter. Paul warned, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous. And bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, he followed the advice of the captain and of the owner of the ship we dropped down a bit when a gentle south wind began to blow they saw opportunity maybe sometimes you've seen an opportunity so oh, this looks good but you didn't know what's around the corner it says uh, so, so they lifted anchor and they sail along the shore of greek before very long as after you saw the opportunity before very long a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we let her drive. Drop down another verse or two, it says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun... Nor stars appeared for many days. How many know things got really bad here? Neither sun nor star appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope. It's over, fellows. <laughs> That's the position they find themselves in. So, so I, I made some point when I taught this before. Some preliminary point. I said that life has unexpected detours and delays. It could be true for you that if you say, think, well, 10 years ago, I thought I would be further along by now. You know, my 10-year plan that I had 10 years ago, it hasn't exactly turned out like I thought it was. I am mean, like about two months into it. Life has setbacks. Things happen that you couldn't foresee. You don't have to shout yes or anything, just kind of, I, I know it's true. Then we learn something else is that God put spiritual leaders in place to help people. I talked about that uh, in my first part of the teaching. God put Paul there, and Paul said, I I, I see this is not going to go good. But the people in charge didn't want to listen to Paul. They said, well, let's listen to the captain, and let's listen to the owner, and let's listen to everybody else. And so sometimes God puts someone in your way that could help you. And I talked about in that teaching, the great anointing that I have discovered is on my life. I can just smell hurricanes. I can smell trouble. I, I, I don't know how. I just have some gift. But uh, if you'd rather not listen to me, then then go somewhere else. But, but, but I, I just can't help it. I'm just telling you. But I'm not going to re-preach that. Then and we talked about the enticement of gentle southerly winds. We're not talking about going to Florida for the holidays. We're talking about... It looks so good, or oh, it just seems so good, but it's actually not good because there's a hurricane coming. And then we learned, talked about, in a storm, people tend to unload cargo. When things get really bad, they unload their cargo. Now, cargo is very valuable. If you go on a trip, like I often do, Tina and I do, we take a suitcase. We don't take everything in a house in the suitcase. We just take the necessities with us. So whatever we have in the suitcase, that's important. I mean those are the things we just need so but but, but, they are in a journey and now they're unloading cargo sometimes people do that when a storm of life hits them they start unloading the necessities of life they start you know unloading even even on God even their anointing even their calling they kind of just say I'm giving up so storms can really have negative effects then I want to add some points here some disasters in life are self-inflicted. Ooh, this is going over great. I expected like a huge amen shouting, standing on your head. It's true, friends. They didn't have to go through a storm. There was a nice harbor for them where they could spend the winter. They didn't have to get in trouble. So in a sense, the hurricane was coming, but they didn't have to be in it. So sometimes, you know, that they're warning signs. God is speaking to us, but we say, Well, I'm going to do it anyhow. God bless me as I go. He says, Well, go. And and so some things are self-inflicted. And and then I want to add this point: staying on your course for your destiny beats being rescued after shipwreck. Now, the good news is that if you've suffered shipwreck, God is a saving God. He'll rescue you. Isn't that wonderful? If you've done something really stupid, you disregarded every good advice that came to you, every godly thing that you heard, you just went ahead and did it, and now you are in a big mess, I got news for you, God is a good God, (laughs) amen, it's called God has miracles for you, but you know there's something better than a miracle, and that's the blessing of God. I mean if you're sick it's nice to be healed but it's even nicer to stay well all the time. If you're in financial trouble it's nice to receive a financial miracle but it's even nicer to live in super abundance so that you can help others when they get in trouble. Come on now that's even nicer. I I mean, even the feeding of the 5,000, you take a miracle like that, when Jesus multiplied food for 5,000, I mean, it only lasted for, I mean, how long does a piece of bread and a fish last you? Half a day? If there was their lunch, they would still be hungry by supper time. So as one, oh, if I could have been there, oh, when he multiplied the bread and the fish, well, you still would have been hungry five hours later. So it's not that big of a deal. It is a big deal, but it's not that big. What is a greater thing is if you walk in abundance and you're never without food. And you can share with others. How many think that it's great that God does miracles, but the blessing is even greater? Come on, somebody shout to that. All right. Now, then then I put this principle here. In a storm, if we hit a storm, please don't do it. Try to avoid the storm. But if you hit a storm, either we drift or we cast an anchor for our life. It said in verse 29, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors and prayed for daylight. You know, just I'm just casting four anchors praying for daylight. So when I taught this before, the first anchor, I only spent the whole service on one anchor. Anchor number one in your life. How many want some anchors? Number one is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is number one. And I went through that up one side and down the other. It's not a cliche to me. It's a reality. I have a personal, solid, established relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are welcome into such a relationship. Amen. So, but I'm not going to re-preach that. Then the second anchor I suggest to you is the anchor of prayer. Now, again, I'm not going to talk a lot about that. I just did a five series of teachings in November on (laughs) prayer. We preach on prayer every single year. I thank God for the opportunity to pray, to bring everything to the Lord in prayer, to make my requests known with thanksgiving. I I just think prayer is a huge privilege. I mean, Tyna and I even did a little quickie prayer about some things on the way into the service. Just a little quickie in the car. What a blessing to pray but I'm not going to go there. So I'm going to talk about a third and a fourth anchor. Not that there has to be four anchors. I mean, but it says say they cast four anchors. I want to stick to the four cuz that's what the Bible says. The third anchor is your money. Whew. Thank you. I heard one. <sighs> Well, Matthew 6, 21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you could just rephrase that to summarize that scripture verse. Money anchors our heart. Wherever our money goes, there our heart goes. It's not wherever your heart is, there your money goes. No, the money goes first, the treasure goes first. So money anchors our heart. It's like a magnet, it pulls your heart, you know it's true. And I suppose that's why God is is really in partnership with us on giving and receiving. It's not that God wants, uh, needs our money, it's that God wants what money represents, namely our heart and our life. You you think about it, you, you invest your money in a home, well you say I need to stay home and just look after my home now. I can't travel about like i did i need to stay home because money anchors our heart look at what it says in first timothy 6 10. the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows wow you can tell this is a meat and potato sermon i don't have any dessert for you today I just am telling you, isn't that like one of these verses that make you shake and quake? I mean, you just feel, you feel goosebumps reading that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, now, notice it doesn't say that money is a root of all kinds of evil. Thank God for that. Come on now. I know how important money is to you. That's why you go so quiet. I know that. It's so important to you. So, so we could summarize that verse by saying... The love of money causes more problem than just about anything else. I mean, your family was doing so sweet and nice and you had all your get-togethers for Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays until your rich uncle died. And you didn't like the way the inheritance and the estate was set up and now you can't meet at any time. You don't even talk to one another. You were such good friends but the rich uncle see money one of the most tragic things is a divorce but you know divorce lawyers say us, well you know it can be pretty peaceful except when it gets to the money if you ever got divorced hopefully you had no money because the probably was peaceful and god will help you I, I, i'm just saying money it, it, it just causes all kinds of problems some people die of a heart attack because they were working so hard for money they were just working they were just not not regarding their body like paul talks about you know don't work so hard he says to one of his co-workers that that you die that you wear your body out uh, you know don't do that and some people do that why because they just they just just so much love money so so money now i i tell you money is a good thing in itself in fact i want all of you to have lots of money Say say, say like this, my pastor wants me to have lots of money. Of course I do. I couldn't think of any better people in Toronto to have lots of money than you. You know, that's again this week I met somebody, you know, uh, we we rent out some parking spots to Tesla out here. So when people come here at 8 o'clock Monday morning, they see Teslas, brand new Teslas over a parking lot. And again, somebody asked me, you must have a very rich membership that park all their brand new Teslas. I said, yes, hallelujah for that. We, we just, uh, we think that's wonderful. We think that's wonderful. God bless Elon Musk. Are you with me? I, I let them believe that. In fact, I, I would like for all of you to have a spanking brand new car. I couldn't think of any better people in Toronto to have a brand new vehicle than you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the love of money, which is a whole different thing. Because it says, "Love of money makes people stray from the faith." People can even give up on God. You know, they get mad about money. I mean, it's uh, the worst thing a preacher, pastor can do is talk about money on a Sunday morning. So, why are you doing it? Because, uh, yeah, that tells you something about me. Uh, 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 you know, people get all upset. They, they don't get upset when they go down to, the, to fill up gas, and, and they have to pay. They don't get upset then, but they get upset somehow. Church, they don't know that the Bible talks about money over 2,000 times, but anyhow, uh, let me read one verse to you, speaking about financial stewardship. Luke, Luke sixteen ten. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Now, the least he referred to is money. He's saying of all the responsibilities, money is the least. See, sometimes we think money is the most, but you know, there are things much more valuable than money. Your family, your marriage, your health, eternal life, there are a lot of things more valuable than money. If you're not healthy in body, what are you going to do with all the money in the world? You're just going to lie in bed and worry about it. Uh, but, but, but yet it says, if we are not faithful in, in what is the least, how can we handle the true riches? So our ma- management of money indicates who we are. You know, I was reading an article this week written by Younger, Youngren. It's going to come out in our magazine, and I'm going to quote her. She talks about this in an article. She says, if, if, if you're really mean, then more money will make you meaner. If you are a snob, you get more money you 'll be a bigger snob. but if you 're full of love and kindness, you have more money, you will just be able to show more love and more kindness to more people. Come on now, so money doesn 't change who you are; it just amplifies it. You notice how people get so resentful about this. I, I want to say it just strikes me almost hilarious when people put on a cloak of spirituality and they say, well, I just don't, I just don't want to talk about money. I said, are you always like that? If if you, need to, if you need to go and buy a piece of furniture, you don't talk about money? Or is it just, is it just in church? Is it, you know, said, well, are you the same way when you go to the coffee shop? He said, I, I can't believe you people in this coffee shop. All you want is money from me. I just came here for a donut and a biscuit and a coffee, and I feel hungry. Don't you care about people here? All you want me is to fork over my $5.10? Or is it just with God you have this uh, k- kind of attitude? Come on now. Nudge somebody in the side and say, the offering is coming soon. <laughs> I mean, so, some people, I, I, want, I felt the Lord speak to me. I was, had prepared this message a long time ago, but this morning in prayer, I felt the Lord say to me, I want to take the people higher. I want you to issue a call for people to go higher in several areas of life. You know, some people are so worried about the first little skinny dime on the dollar. They like to give the last little skinny penny to the Lord, but you know, what, what really is the best is to give your, your, your first skinny dime. It's skinny. It's really skinny. Come on, turn to somebody and say, he's talking about your skinny dime. Uh, it's a skinny one, skinny. The first skinny dime goes to the Lord. Not the last skinny penny or nickel, the first skinny dime. Oh, I'm getting worked up now. This is an anchor. This is an anchor. You you, you know, uh, the purpose of money is for you to enjoy it and to share it. You have richly to enjoy and to share. Some people say, they got the idea, oh, you know, rich people are crooked people. Well, maybe some of them. I hear Al Chapo is in trouble. He's in some kind of a, a, a trial down in New York somewhere. But you know, a lot of people, you know why they're rich? Because they ran an honest business. So people like them say, I want to buy from you because you're doing honest work. And that makes sense with Jesus. Jesus says, if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. So don't, don't think, I, 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 I want to see people who have lots, lots in their hand and a heart full of love towards God. Amen. Hallelujah. And so, I, I, so I want, let me cast another anchor for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that for now. Th- then a fourth anchor, your fourth anchor is T-I-C-C. Now, if you're watching by video or internet or TV, if this goes on TV, you put your local church there. But the local church is an anchor. You know, the Bible talks, I think it's 114 times the word church is mentioned in the New Testament. Word Ecclesia, 14 times. Jesus only mentions it twice, but there is many other of the books of the Bible, is mentioned many times. Out of those hundred and fourteen times, ninety percent of those references are about a local church. Now, we all say I belong to the universal church of Jesus. You know, it's very beautiful. Uh, You can really feel great, you know, I I just feel I'm one with all the brothers and sisters in the Lord all over the world. I feel such a bond in my heart to all the Christians in New Zealand and, and, and Madagascar. Well, of course you do, because you never have to meet them. So it's easy to love them with a whole heart and you have an idea how beautiful they are and how loving they are and if I only can be with them. Ooh, people tell that to me. They said, oh, all over the world travel. I travel. Said, oh, Pastor Peter, we just wish we lived in Toronto. Your, your church must be perfect said, yes, yes, humbly. I said, yes, 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 yes. So they think that I, I realize, because I know some of you think the same thing about some other far-off place, or at least let me enjoy the moment when they see me preach and hear me minister, and they think that I, whatever church I founded must have no problem. There's never, any, there's never any bickering. Surely, surely everything, all my problems would be solved if I would only come to the Toronto International Celebration Church. I just said, God bless you. God bless you. You know, sometimes people say, oh, I just want to grow in the Lord on my own. Or, or I tend three or four churches wherever I, and whenever I feel led. Well, you see, he said, what's wrong with that? Well, nothing except that you're going to stay a baby for the rest of your life. And babies are cute. We like babies. But when you're 25 years old and you still need diaper change, that's not cute. Come on, when you're 25 years old and you still can't tie up your shoes, this isn't cute anymore. It was cute. You know, Pastor Nathan, he does, every, when I'm here in the office every Sunday, he's there with Leo. I can hardly prepare. He's there with Leo walking around and he's just praising God and Leo is watching Tinas and my dog and and you know, it, it's beautiful because it's nice. He's a little bit, you know, he's kind of just finding his way. But if Leo is acting like that in 25 years, it's not going to be amazing anymore come on now the amazement is over how many know let me give you a scripture verse here well I got several of them coming up let me let me read them in order that I have them here Hebrews 10 24 consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of yourself together so, so what's the point here? You assemble together to stir one another up, to love and good works. That's what I'm doing right now. And we do that to one another. So what's a good church? I'm going to tell you, a good church is a church that helps people stay spiritually motivated. Now, I'm not saying, what if somebody landed on a desert island like Robinson Crusoe Or like Tom Hanks in that movie? I'm sure you could have a wonderful fellowship with the Lord. You know, you can grow in the Lord in whatever way you would grow on a deserted island. But God sets solitary in families. You will flourish when you are planted in the courts and in the house of the Lord. Amen. A good church helps people to stay spiritually mature. 2 Corinthians 13, 9, Our greatest wish and prayer is that you will become mature Christians just don't go over the same thing again the only way to become mature is by rubbing shoulders with other people you know i said jesus only mentioned the church twice in the bible first time was very powerful he said i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it everybody knows that one come on i expected a more response i will build my church Yeah, that's right. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That is the first mention of Jesus about the church. Second time that Jesus mentions the church is two chapters later, Matthew chapter 18. And he says, in the church, someone will sin against you. What? This is the second and last mention that Jesus makes of the word, Greek word, ecclesia. He says, sometimes in a church setting, somebody will sin against you. Oh, that went over well. I, I'm sorry. You can just take it up with Jesus one day, but this is, this is what the Bible refers to, which means that when you're hanging around people, somebody is going to snap at you sometime. Really? Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons people sometimes go from church to church because you can stay in a church pretty well for two years and everybody will think you're perfect. You know, the first, first few months you're coming in there with your Bible... Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I, feel, I feel the presence just when I come into the parking lot. I feel, such, oh, I love the pastor and you're worshiping. But then after two, three years, you'll have a bad Sunday. And you'll kind of say something not perfect to somebody. And now suddenly the glory is gone from your head. People people thought, oh, she's just such a perfect Christian. Now, oh, they heard me. I snapped a bit. And you say, oh. And you begin to pray to masquerade the whole matter before the Lord. And they, they say, oh, I feel the Lord is leading me on now. No, it's not the Lord leading you on. You're just embarrassed to come back because you, you blew it. You, you kind of you, you, you showed that you were human. Uh, so so you, it's not the Lord, oh, I feel an urging. No, no, your flesh is urging you to go someplace where you can play perfect for two more years until you blow it there. Ooh, this is going over so great. I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, are you hearing me? And we will stay babies. That's why it says, don't put a novice into leadership. Greek word novice, if you take the Greek word means newly planted. Someone who's planted in a local family, then he unplants himself or herself. And plants in a new place. So that person is always a novice. They, they may have been a believer for. 50 years, but they're novices. How many want to go ahead? Amen. Amen. So it's good, you know. For me, think about me. This really applies to me because I have a lot of traveling ministry and I've done it my whole life. So you know, when I travel, people think that I'm just the most awesome, wonderful guy they ever met. I mean, they just think, you know, I preach my festival sermons and the blind see and the lame walk and the deaf hear and you've seen the... People just think like... Who that's why I need to have a local church so you can hear what I sound like on a real bad Sunday. Oh, you see, he wasn't as hot this Sunday as last Sunday. It's good for me. Hopefully it blesses you too. It, it, because we are real. Are, are you with me? So a local church anchors us. Hallelujah. It anchors us. You know, makes you real. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to stay babies the whole time. It's not cute, but to grow up and be able to handle some some hits and take something on the chin and then rise up and come back again and you say you get stronger and stronger you're rooted in your personal relationship with jesus you're rooted in your fellowship with other people you're rooted in the local church and you say whatever hell brings on the gates of hell shall not prevail against my life or against this church it, 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 it you're growing and so i say a, a, a great church helps people discover their ministry every person has a deep psychological need, put there by God, to feel worthwhile. Every one of us do. To make our life count. To have a life of significance. To make a contribution. And see, self-esteem, the good kind, doesn't come from status. It comes from service. From serving others. You may think it came from status if somebody gives me the title oh then i'm somebody you know that that's very thin it won't last but serving others gives you a healthy feeling oh god is at work through me first peter four i'm giving you lots of scripture here god has given gifts to each one from his great variety of spiritual gifts manage them well so that god's generosity can flow through you god's given you gifts 2 Timothy 1, 6, stir up the gift of God that is in you. You know, that's one of the things we teach here. Every believer is a minister. People say, have you been called to ministry? If you're a believer, you are called to ministry. You are a minister. We have been given this ministry. In 2 Corinthians 5, we've received this ministry. And and, and so, I say every good church must provide people the opportunity to discover their ministry. But then, the church can't make you step into ministry. It it is up to us to take the opportunity. Or we cheat ourselves, or we cheat others. You know, there's no such thing in the Bible as a non-serving Christian. That's like hamburger with no meat french fries with no potatoes you know where, where's the potatoes well to be a, a, a non-serving just sit back non-serving christian no, i put some things on the on, on the we, we can be attenders or we can be the body of christ in a body you don't attend the body if you're a part of the body the ear doesn't say i'm attending the rest of the body for a couple of hours and then i'm going to go my eerie way myself If I'm the kidney, I'm just going to go in there and hang out for a couple hours, and then I'm going to go and do my kidney life by myself. Come on. So I don't attend TICC. We are the church. Come on. We're not spectators. We are participators. We're not consumers. We are contributors. Come on. Give the Lord praise. A good church will help people fulfill their mission in life. You know, every person has this sense. I want to do something that's beyond me that's greater than myself i just just just, you know freedom 55 isn't that awesome after all just just what am i going to do after you turn 55 you're going to retire with lots of money what are you going to do walk up and down Lawrence avenue waving at people or i I don't know what you're going to do it's wonderful to have a purpose to have a to have a you know we are christ's ambassadors no, not some preacher, not some one person. Everybody here is Christ's ambassador. Say it with me. I am Christ's ambassador. You are that. Don't look at Pastor Nathan. Like he, no, no, every one of us. And so, and, and you know, if we don't see that, we make up lousy alternatives as a purpose for our life. And so those are some thoughts. Now, I better, I better just give you one more verse. That summarizes all this. Your personal relationship with Jesus, prayer, money, your local church, everything. Hebrews 66, verse 19. We have an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He is our high priest forever. We have an anchor for the soul. And we sang it earlier that the veil has been ripped away. Well, what's, what's that veil? Well, see, the inner sanctuary refers in a symbolic way to the very center of God's presence. Inner sanctuary is the very center. It's the essence of who God is. And there was a veil. That veil has been ripped away. And maybe today you say, my, my soul is adrift. My mind, my emotions, my will, I've, I've drifted. Well, here's the picture given. You come to Jesus, and all these other things I've talked about, they're all wrapped up in Jesus, and you hold on to Jesus, and he becomes an anchor for your life. It's beautiful. Ooh, la, la, what a beautiful life we have. Ooh, la, la, what a beautiful life. So everybody bow your head right now. I'd like to for sure invite everybody to receive this life not to drift maybe i said it life has unexpected delays and detours i feel like i'm speaking directly to a person here you've had some unexpected delays and detours your life has gone off course and you were supposed to be here today to hear this message and say you come and take an anchor for your soul it is jesus himself to know him if i'm going to pray in a moment prayer of receiving this beautiful gift of god's forgiveness if you want to be included i want to ask you to give me a signal lift your hand wherever you're sitting lift it way up high you say i want to be included right in this prayer that we're going to pray lift them up way up high right now how many here would say yes i want to be included let me see where you are lift it up right now god bless you god bless you over here god bless you anybody else all right that's beautiful god bless you over here let's pray right now would you say heavenly father thank you for Jesus that Jesus has gone before me that my sins have been put away and I confess today Jesus is Lord my sins are forgiven amen amen and amen let's give Jesus praise right now if you prayed with me we have a little booklet for you at the welcome table over here and we want to receive. This is very important. That's why I do this in every service. But here's what, here's what I felt the Lord speak to me this morning. He said, I want, to, I want you to challenge the people to go higher. Both when it comes to being anchored in the church. You know, people say, oh, D.L. Moody, the famous American preacher from another century, he used to say, there's no telling what God can do through one man that's totally dedicated to him. Excuse me, ladies. He didn't include you, but I would say a person. But I think there's something greater than that. Is there's no telling what God can do through one local church that's committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's even a greater statement to do. So I, I felt the Lord say we're gonna we're gonna cast our anchor a little stronger and a little deeper. Amen. I'm gonna ask you to I'm wanna I to i want to ask you to go higher. In your area of thinking about money you know i want to talk to people here maybe you have never trusted god for money you know there are many people like that they trust that god's going to take them to heaven when they die they can even trust god to heal their body they're praying about this and they're praying about that but they have never trusted god for their money I want to pray with you today because there is a faith from God, there's an anointing from God, an empowering from God where God helps you in finances. So if you have never trusted God for finances and it always made you squirm a little bit, I'm not trying to make you squirm, believe me. I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable with what I'm saying. I'm inviting you to trust God for finances. Trust God, especially as God has given us this enlightenment that whoever gives money, it is like a seed. You give it consecrated to God, and it will come back to you. And when you give generously, you will reap generously. So I'm challenging you today step into the giving family, become a part of the giving family of this local body and everything we're doing around the world and what we're doing right here. Second thing I want to say, maybe you've had a revelation on giving, so you've been a giver your whole life, but you're giving in a way that scatters the seed. You're not so much thinking about where you're giving, your you focus is, I'm a giver, I'm a giver, and, and, and you had that revelation. But you know what? A farmer can put his seed on asphalt, and he will not give a lot of harvest, Come on, are you with me? You can put a seed on your concrete driveway. It's not going to produce a lot of harvest. So I say, put your seed into the gospel. That's the good soil. Jesus said, whoever gives for my sake and the gospel's sake, he will receive a hundredfold. Then I want to say, faith. Is giving from our known resources That's where we get tithing We kind of know what the increase is going to be Whatever increase Maybe we sold something Maybe you sold your condominium Or maybe you have a weekly or a monthly income So we say I'm going to take that first skinny dime And I'm going to trust Jesus to bless me And help me And those who have done this Have found and discovered It's true he does help us Praise God Amen So I know if you're doing this You're not uncomfortable about it Because it's working for you and so we take from the known resources but then there's another step I call that extravagant faith everybody say extravagant faith and you got to try it sometime you know that woman who had saved several years value to get that special perfume the stories in the bible it was meant for her wedding day and when she saw Jesus and heard Jesus she was so overwhelmed she said I'm gonna i'm gonna do something extravagant i'm gonna do something i normally would never do I, I don't know if she believed in giving the first skinny dime but she was about to do something more than the first skinny dime she says i'm going to give that whole bottle of expensive perfume that was reserved for a special day i'm going to give that to show my worship to jesus you know it's it's, it's whenever the lord challenges me or tina and i to extravagant faith i get a little nervous. Do you feel the same way? When the Lord challenges me to do something big, especially when it comes to money, to do something extravagant, to give big, I don't say hallelujah right away. I say, Lord, that can't be you. I rebuke that voice on the inside. Can't be you. But then I think, who else is telling me to give to the gospel? Wouldn't be the devil, would it? So I don't need to worry about that. But, you know, I'll be honest with you, my first reaction is never, oh, how wonderful. I feel stirred to give more. I, I don't have to feel stirred to do the regular giving from the known resources. But now I'm believing God even beyond those known resources. It makes me a little nervous. But I soon remember that God is no man's debtor. And what I felt the Lord say to me this morning when I was praying, help the people to take a step of faith. Some people here, I don't know who, but some, some, you know, there's like a pipeline in your life. There's a pipeline flowing and it's good things flowing. But, you know, sometimes we put so much rust in our pipeline that though the oil is flowing, we can't take it. It's not coming through. It's actually coming full force, but there's too much rust. And I felt like the Lord said, why don't you take a blow the rust out of the pipeline offering this morning? But some of you may have to do something. You say, I've been just so stingy with God for so long that there's so much rust. You may need to do something big. So it just goes poof for that pipeline. Is okay. I'm done with that stinginess right now. I'm done with it. I don't know how, well, that would be for you. But let, let's. I want to pray for you. Everybody take an offering on LeBron. Everybody take an offering. On, they're already on your seat. I didn't want to take the offering as we always do. It probably has happened once every five years that we changed the protocol. But today I felt the Lord say to me, ask the people to go higher. Ask the people to do more. You know, our church is just on the cusp of doing some great things, and we've just done some great things, and we've been sowing to the world. We sow beyond our own borders, but I'm going to ask you to step in and say, I want to be a part of this giving family. Not just for this morning, but say, I'm going to make a shift in my life, and I'm going to anchor my soul and my heart by putting my treasure into the gospel. Oh, I see people. You see people walking out. They're not mad at me. They go into the debit machine over there. As you know, when you talk a little bit about money, somebody says, oh, they must be mad at Pastor Peter. I see them getting out of their seats right now. Oh, they're leaving the service in protest. No, no, they're going to the debit machine. Relax, people, relax over there. We have a debit machine over there. Can we just stand together right now? And then I'm going to pray another prayer after this. We, we, we just believe in God for great things. I'm praying for your finances. I'm praying and believing God for increase. How many want increase in your life? Maybe you unloaded some cargo that you didn't have to unload because you got into a storm. It's time to cast your anchor, to put your treasure where you want your heart to be. So I'm I believing God today that God will touch our hearts. And, and then we're going to just thank him. And we're going to just have a time of, of triumph and celebration here. Let's take that envelope in our hand. Tyna, of course, I, we had forewarning. I said, I'm going to do this toward the end. So she's ready. So she doesn't need to write. She's already written it out. But I want you to just take that envelope right now for a moment and interrupt your writing. And let's